Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Grave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. So today, I wanted to talk about for you must go. You must go. And so let's begin today's message in Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. Say this with me, for you must go. Okay, that was just me saying it, so I'm going to need you to say that with me. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, and say this with me, do not be discouraged. So today I want to talk about something that I believe that every single person on the face of the planet has dealt with, and so that includes you. So I think this will be a good topic because we can all relate to it. And so I want to actually talk about discouragement. And I'm sure you felt it. I'm sure you've experienced it. I'm sure, and maybe if we're honest, we maybe experienced seasons of it, right? And so uh, most of us know the feeling of discouragement, but do we understand why we experience it? Most of us know the feeling of it. We know how it affects our life, but do we know why we're experiencing it or what is the purpose of discouragement? Now, discouragement means to remove or to separate you from courage. The prefix D-I-S means to be separate or apart from. So discouragement means to remove you or separate you from courage. It's to break down your resolution to do something. It's important to point out that discouragement and fear work together. Say with me, they partner together. And they do this for one goal in mind, and that's influence over you. And I would say every spirit, every evil spirit has one goal in mind, and that's influence, influence over you. But, and they do it to control, but we know that, that spirits, the end goal or where they always end up is stealing, killing, and destroying. We know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So every purpose of an evil spirit is to lead you to that place. Second Timothy 2, 1 through 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Where does the spirit of fear lead us to? Stealing, killing, and destroying. Now think about this. If I submit to fear, where does it result? Kill, steal, and destroying. So, this, so it says, for God has not give us, given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
and of love and of a sound mind. So this verse is referring to two spirits. The first one is the spirit of fear. And the other spirit that it's referring to is the spirit that's been given to us, which is the Holy Spirit. And what are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? One of power, one of love, and one of a sound mind. Total opposite of fear, right? So it's important to make this distinction because as spiritual beings, it's a part of our spiritual DNA to respond to, to be influenced by the spiritual world around us, whether we realize it or not. You know, it's very easy to, to fall into just relating to the natural world. But the truth is we are being influenced by the spiritual realm every single day, whether you realize it or not. And right here it says, Do, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Romans eight fourteen. for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So as children of God, we are now led by the spirit of God not by the spirit of fear. What would the spirit of fear like? It would like control over you. So when we submit to it, we submit to control, which leads us where? Stealing, killing, and destroying. But now that we are in Christ, we're a new creation. Our attention has shifted. This is why we're commanded to keep our eyes on Jesus. For God has not given you, this is not what we're, Our attention should not be on the things that we're afraid of. God has not given you that spirit, but the one he's given you is one of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, if we allow fear to control us, if we allow fear to take our focus, we are surrendering to its desire. And I'm going to say it again. What is the desire of the spirit of fear? To control you, to lead you, to a place where you're stolen from, where there's death and there's destruction. So if we just say, oh, I'm just, I'm just kind of fearful. Kind of fearful? Really? Kind of fearful? Where does that lead? Kind of stealing, kind of killing, kind of destroying? Come on. So whether it's fear or shame or discouragement, bitterness or offense, a spirit's desire is to lead you into stealing, killing, and destroying. And this is why we're commanded to not give the enemy a foothold. Another way to say it is do not allow the enemy an opportunity. Or do not give the enemy space. It's like you're going to shut the door and the enemy wants to stick his foot in there. Just give me a little space. Come on. So fear partners with discouragement to gain control, to gain influence. And we see this partnership revealed throughout Scripture verse. So let's go back and look at Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel. How do you like that? In front of everybody. Be strong and courageous for you must Go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I love this exhortation. What is Moses saying? He's not giving him an option, is he? How do you like leaders like that? 
No, you must go. You must fulfill purpose. You must fulfill destiny. You must step into the promised land. You must be brave and confront your fears. Come on. But discouragement questions it all. If you've ever been discouraged, you'll say, is this really the place? Am I really the one? Have you ever felt that? Am I really the one to do this? Maybe this one's a big one too. Is now the time? Is now the time? And so discouragement will question things that you shouldn't be questioned. Uh, discouragement will cause you to weigh options that you've never been given. Just like Moses said, for you must go. And I'm here to encourage you and to challenge you. The things that God has called you to do in this season, in this time, I'm saying you must go. You must fulfill it. You must confront fear. You must confront discouragement. Come on. Because if we don't, we're not going to step into the promises that God has for us. Discouragement in the Hebrew means to be shattered. Think of if I had a vase and I took it and I slammed it on the ground. It would be shattered. It would be broken. It would be separated, right? So discouragement means to be shattered, to be dismayed, to be broken, When you become discouraged, you become separated, and it becomes difficult to piece things together. Have you ever been so discouraged that you don't know what is up and what is down and what is left and what is right? Do you see? Because you're you're pulled apart, you're separated, you're separated from courage. When you, it also means dismay, and dismay means to cause to lose courage or resolution because of alarm or fear. Do you see how they partner together? Resolution means a firm determination to do or not to do something. See, our kids have that one down, don't they? They have a firm resolution. (laughs) When you lose resolution, you lose confidence. Why is that? How many of you guys have a computer screen? Most of us, right? And maybe some of you know this. You can change the resolution of it, right? And so you can give it high resolution, and one of the effects of that is it's clearer, right? It's sharper. It's not blurry. But one of the things uh, that you can do is you can lower the resolution. And what happens is your screen will become blurry, right? Your screen will become blurry. But there's also another side effect of your resolution being lowered, everything on the screen becomes bigger. Come on. So when you lower the resolution, so or when you lose resolution, let me put it this way, when you lose resolution, your vision will become blurred. You're not sure what's ahead. But then little things become big. Is that a problem? Don't you think so? Have you ever made a mountain out of a molehill? No, we never done that. That, I must be preaching to someone else, right? So these are the signs of discouragement. 
a loss of clarity or blurry vision. Have you ever been discouraging like, I just don't know what to do? I do not know what to do. I thought I knew. I thought I knew, but I really don't know. So when God's vision was imparted, it was crystal clear. Have you ever been in a time of worship or you're spending time with the Lord and God speaks to you and it is like razor sharp? You're like, I get this. I see this. I understand this. And then you leave that moment and then you're like, well, what was that? Actually, I heard someone say before, never doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. And so sometimes we could get to a place where we hear God so clearly and then a disappointment happens. And then you say, am I really the one for this? Is now really the time for this? Never doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. Come on. So another sign of discouragement is your circumstances become magnified. Every molehill becomes a mountain. Every obstacle becomes impassable. Little things will cause your attention to be diverted. And when discouragement isn't confronted and it's prolonged, your life will appear disjointed. So if we don't deal with discouragement, it's like that picture that I I took a vase and I smashed it. It's going to feel like our life is all separated. And we'll look at the mess and we'll say, how do I put this back together? That's when discouragement is prolonged. But there's hope, right? There's hope. Some of the language of discouragement, things that we'll frequently say when we're discouraged, we'll say, I can't handle this. I'm done. Oh, it's Christmas time. I just can't handle this. I'm done. Come on. Another uh, language, uh, another something else that you'll say when you're discouraged. You know, nothing makes sense. There's always an issue. You know, I've just learned to expect the worst because the worst always happens. I'm not talking to anybody here. Obviously, it's someone else. I... um, You'll say things like, what's the point? What's the point? That's called the language of discouragement. What's the point? I don't get the point anymore. I once got the point, but now I just don't get the point anymore. We'll say things like, no one cares. No one cares. Just me in the cave. I don't get it. What mine was, it is what it is. It is what it is. Can anybody relate? A couple of us. Many people just want to confront the feeling of a spirit rather than identifying why a spirit is harassing them. Remember, the end goal of any spirit is control, which leads to stealing, killing, and destroying. So the feeling of hopelessness and anger, isolation, a divided mind, a lack of clarity, lack of motivation are not the end goal of discouragement. They are just symptoms. 
Remember, Joshua had plenty of reasons to be discouraged. Joshua, I, I love how Moses said it. In front of everybody, you must go. It's kind of like no backing out now. You jumped out of the plane. You must go. Like I said, Joshua had many reasons to be discouraged. What does it say? For you must go with this people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People? What was the history of this people? Trouble. Complaining. Even in scripture, God called them pigheaded. He said, no, you must go and lead this people. So he had plenty of reasons to be, become, dis, become discouraged. Actually, there were 40 years of it. So there was a history of making decisions based off of fear and discouragement. At one point, the people refused to even go into the land. Come on. And Moses says, for you must go. And I want to challenge you. You can probably think about 50 reasons why you shouldn't go. But I, my question to you is, have you, are you called to go? Has God spoken to you to go? Was it crystal clear that morning when you got it? Was it crystal clear when you were at the altar before the Lord? Then you must go. Come on. And discouragement will get you to question. And to be honest, there's probably a lot of legitimate reasons, just like Joshua had a lot of legitimate reasons, right, to be afraid. He had a lot of legitimate reasons to be concerned, right? But Moses cuts through all the noise and says, no, you must go. Can you see how fear and discouragement partner together? When we only address the symptoms, we will remain in cycles. When we only address the symptoms of discouragement, we will remain in cycles of it. Could you imagine if you had a laceration wound and you only dealt with the symptom of pain? You're like, oh, this hurts so bad. Let's take painkillers. What would happen? It would get infected. Come on. And we do this a lot of times in our emotional life. We'll experience a wound, and then we just try to do things that remove the pain. And then the situation gets worse and worse. And it's like this with discouragement. If we're only dealing with the symptoms of it, the feelings of it, we're not actually addressing the spirit of it. Does this make sense? So to, com to combat discouragement, we don't attack the symptoms. Relieving the symptoms is a temporary fix. This is why cycles are never dealt with. Have you ever, I, I mean, I can, I can attest to this, having cycles of discouragement, like you get through it and then you're like, I'm good, I'm good, and then it happens again, and it happens again, and then you're good for a little bit, and then it happens again. 
Could it be because we're only dealing with the symptom of it rather than addressing the spirit itself? Come on. This is how you attack the virus of discouragement. You just, you don't attack the symptoms of it. You actually attack attack the purpose of it. What is the purpose of discouragement? To separate you from courage. Courage of what? Stepping into calling, stepping into purpose, stepping into destiny. So if we only address the feelings of discouragement, we'll remain in the cycle of it. So what do we do to actually address the spirit of it? We step into what God has spoken. What did Moses, Moses cut through all the noise and said, listen, you must go. You must fulfill it. You must step into your calling. You must step into your purpose. And he did it in front of everybody. The people that he would be leading. Come on. And so what, what happens is discouragement will attack in ways that don't seem obvious. So let's say you're doing well and you step into destiny, you step into calling, and then there's a financial crisis. Your washer breaks. Come on. Have you, have you ever experienced that? You step, okay, God, I'm going to do what you said, and then the car needs a new part. And it's the part that needs to be handcrafted in another country. (laughs) With only two people in the world that can do it. Right? Now, I'm saying that the spirit of discouragement does not have power to control these things. I'm saying that these things happen. But what the spirit of discouragement will do, it will attach itself to it, the feeling of it. So we'll start saying things like, there it is again. There it is again. How about maybe it's not financial things. Maybe it's relational things. God, I'm going to step out and do something. And that one relative that always causes problems... (laughs) Rises up again. Come on. Or you step out, God, I'm going to do, and then there's an issue at work. And we have the option to say, there it is again. There's another reason why I shouldn't go. You know, this is too painful. I can't go through this again. So how do you confront the spirit of discouragement, you step into what God has spoken. So when the washer breaks, hallelujah, I'm going to do what God told me to do. Like I said, the spirit of discouragement doesn't have power to break your washer. I'm just saying when that happens, don't allow it attach itself to the emotion of it. Because guess what? If you allow your washer breaking to hold you back from what God has called you to do, you're going to go through a lot of washers. Right? And I'm not just talking about, I'm just saying there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something that reinforces that feeling of discouragement. And so cycles 
of discouragement are empowered when you forfeit your power to your circumstance. So we will reinforce a cycle of discouragement when we allow our circumstances to control us. Like I said, there will always be a washer. There will always be that coworker. There will always be that relative, right? But what, what are you going to allow to hold you back from what God has called you to do? As long as you forfeit your power to your circumstances, cycles of discouragement will become predictable. There it is again. Oh, that pain. Oh, this is my isolation season. Come on. This is where I become recluse and I spiritualize it. Come on, guys. We need to shut the door to discouragement. If the enemy tries to stick his foot in the door, step on his toes. <laughs> Come on. Step on his toes. Another tactic of discouragement is to keep you in crisis, which will distract you from purpose. Why is this important to know? Because not every crisis is your personal responsibility to resolve it. I'm going to say that again because I think this will help a lot of people. Not every crisis is your personal responsibility to resolve. When you, you see, when you try to resolve every crisis, you'll begin to lose resolution on what you're called to do. If I spend my time, resources, giftings, talents, energy, physically and mentally, emotional capacity on things I was not meant to fix or resolve, what's left for what I'm called to do? If you allow crisis to divert you from what God has called you to do, there will always be a crisis that you need to fix. And I will say this, if you're called to do something, there will be crisis in it. So there are some crises that you are meant to resolve. Just want to point that out. But we won't have the strength to do it if we're trying to fix everybody else's and every situation. Come on. If you allow crisis to distract you from your destiny, there will always be crisis if we're called to, then we were created to, and anything outside of that is dysfunction. Now, I want to say this. The most powerful and liberating action you could ever take is to hear and obey the voice of God. I'm going to say this again. The most liberating freedom thing that you could ever do is hear the voice of God and obey it. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. What was the first verse that we talked about? For God has not given you a spirit of fear. If you put your energy into fear, what is left for the things that you're called to do and fulfill? 
Many times discouragement can be traced back to delayed obedience. Why? Because our advancement is halted because we're missing the key that only obedience could bring. I'm going to say that again. Our advancement is halted because we're missing the key that only obedience could bring. How many of you ever cried out to God, God, I need the answer. God, show me the answer. Reveal the answer. God, God, if you haven't heard me, I need an answer. And he goes, what about that thing that I told you to do that you don't really want to do? Oh, no, that, that, that's the other church that I was going to prepare this for. That's not this church. What about the thing that I told you to do? Why is this important? Because maybe the key that you need for what you are experiencing now is the thing that he was trying to prepare you for before. Does this make sense? The truths that are waiting to be revealed through the act of obedience Open doors that cannot be walked through until you walk through the opportunity before. The maturity that is established through surrendering your will that turns in that turn that in turn prepares you for the weight of the new level. Second Corinthians three seventeen, for the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Did we not sing that today? Yeah. But one thing I want to point out about this verse, because I think this verse gets used as a slogan sometimes, and it's kind of taken out of context. But what quality or characteristic of God is this verse referring to? Can you put it up again? Oh, we're on a different verse there. Can you put 2 Corinthians 3.17? The one before. (laughs) Okay, okay, we're not having that today. So what quality or characteristic of God is this referring to? I'll read it to you again. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What characteristic of God is this referring to? Anybody know? His lordship. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is There is freedom. Have you ever heard it said, wherever the spirit is, there is freedom? That's not what it says, right? It says, we're the spirit of the Lord. So this is a characteristic of God, and it deals with his lordship. So his lordship deals with authority, influence, and power. So what brings freedom? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. What's the pattern there? What character characteristic of God is this referring to? His lordship. And what is his lordship? Authority, power, dominion. Come on. So you can't expect the freedom that God offers doing your own thing. 
going to say that again. You cannot expect the freedom that God offers doing your own thing. Whenever, wherever the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. I'm going to say that. Whenever or wherever the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Do you see the difference? Because I think a lot of times people will take that, oh, wherever we're sensing his spirit, there's freedom. But actually, it's dealing with his lordship. And what is his lordship? His authority and power in my life. Oswald Chambers says, even the smallest bit of obedience opens heaven, and the deepest truths of God immediately become yours. Isn't this exciting? Yet God will never reveal more truth about himself to you until you have obeyed what you already know. Come on. God, show me yourself. I told you to do this. And that's going to open up the door for more revelation. Do you, are you guys seeing this? So the most liberating thing that we could ever do is hear the voice of God and put it off the next week. No, no. Okay. I missed that one. The most liberating thing that we could do is hear the voice of God and debate with him. Yeah, that, that one probably will work. The most liberating thing that we can do is hear the voice of God and expect others to do it. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So the most liberating thing that you could ever do is hear the voice of God and put it into action. Come on, guys. So I won't give you more until you experience what I've already given the experience that you receive through obedience is the key to open the next door of revelation. Be strong and courageous, for you must go. Come on. I think a lot of the things that we deal with is really a spirit of discouragement because we, not, we have not stepped into the, to the things that God is calling us to do. We feel separated. We feel broken. We feel um, disconnected. But if we would hear and obey, listen, I know some people have problems with, <laughs> which is crazy, the lordship of God. But if he spoke it, it's for your good. Think about this. How many commandments did God give his people for his own benefit? Any, 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 no, none of them, none of them. Does God need anything? Is he the well that never runs dry? Do you think he's telling you to do something for his good? Are you guys following where I'm going with this? If he says it, and you believe that your God is good? Come on. It's for your benefit. Thank you. So to combat or confront discouragement, go where you're called. If you are experiencing discouragement, go where you're called. 
And that's not always a place. It's do the things that God has placed on your heart. What you heard in the light, don't doubt in the dark. Come on. If you're battling with feeling uh, discouraged or experiencing fear, the most liberating thing that you could do is say, Father God, what are you saying? And obey it. Because God does not command you to do something that actually, he has everything. He doesn't need human hands to serve him. He's actually the well of life that never runs dry. So when God tells you to do something, it's for your good. I didn't say it feels good. Okay, let's let's just. It just means a little flesh needs to die, right? Have you ever uh, procrastinated on something that God told you to do? And then when you did it, you're like, wow, that wasn't as bad as a, and then, um, right? Every week. We're going to pray for Manny after the service today. So I want to give you a few practical steps to breaking the cycle of discouragement. You guys ready? I'm going to do them quick. Whether you feel like you're in a cycle of discouragement or just experience discouragement at some level, I believe that these steps will help you confront it. Now, these steps aren't in any particular order, but if there was a first step, I would say this is the first one. The first step to confronting discouragement is recognizing that you're discouraged. I know, it's, it's real deep, right? Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence. From, from it flows the, the springs of life. Other versions will say guard or keep. And, and they'll also say for it determines the course of your life. So above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Huh. How are you going to address discouragement if you don't know your heart's discouraged? Come on. So I'm encouraging you to know the condition of your heart. When you make this verse a priority, when you choose to do it above all else, you will begin to become more aware of what your heart is telling you. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, I don't don't even know what's wrong with me. I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm feeling something horrible, but I don't know how to define it. I don't, don't know how to even express it. All that saying is you haven't taken time to watch over your heart. Because if you watch over your heart, what does, it means you know what's coming in you, right? And we know what goes in you comes out of you. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're influenced, and then we speak what we're being influenced by. So the more that you do this, you'll begin to speak the language of your heart. And basically what that means is, this is what I'm feeling, and this is probably why I'm feeling it. Does this make sense? You will never have power to address something that remains hidden. You will never have the power to address something that remains hidden. If you're not aware of it, you're not going to address it. 
So the first step in addressing discouragement is to say, you know what? I am discouraged. I didn't even know I was discouraged until I heard this sermon, and then I realized that I've been discouraged. Okay, well, good to know. All right, that's why I'm here. All right, the second thing is once you recognize that it's discouragement, take these steps. Psalms 56.3, whenever I'm afraid, what partners with discouragement? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Psalms 56.3, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In other words, when I want to close myself off from the world and run away, whenever I'm afraid, I will direct my attention to you. Are you guys getting this? Whenever I'm afraid, we shouldn't be placing our attention on the thing that we're afraid. We should place our attention on him. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. It didn't say analyze your problem. Didn't say come up with 20 steps. And I'm not saying that that won't ever come. The first thing to do when you're afraid, whenever, say whenever, whenever I'm afraid, I run to you. Come on. It's not simple. It is simple. All right. In other words, uh, no. So here's some practical suggestions. When I'm afraid, pick up the word of God. Start reading it. Start feeding on it. Start praying. And not just praying like, God, like just pouring yourself out. Pray and then wait and listen to what he says. What is the most liberating thing that we could ever do is hear the voice of God and obey it. Because where the spirit is Lord, there's freedom. Come on. Another thing that we can do is decree what you already know. I am a son or daughter of God. You have set me apart. You have called me. Like, if, when you know scripture, you can speak it over your life. Remind yourself of the promises. Pray in tongues. Uh, worship in song. Rejoice in the Lord. If your shower is the best place to sing, get lots of showers. I don't know. But you got to, whenever, be like, I took 10 showers today. I've been really afraid, so this is the only place that... All I'm saying is there are some practical things that you could do that really address this. The next thing is watch what comes out of your mouth. Really, our mouth is a tool for awareness. I could just really punch that guy in the face. That's revealing something out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. So how do we start becoming more aware of our heart? We start listening to what's coming out of here. Come on, we've all been there. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So what is the purpose of the tongue? Was the tongue given to us before the fall? You're like, I'm not sure. Yes, it was. So it's good, right? So what is the original purpose of the tongue? Well, we know from this verse is 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So before the fall, what was the purpose of the tongue? To empower life. Are you guys seeing this? So the original design was to empower things with our words. And empower means to extend authority or power to someone or something. Do you realize that your tongue has the power to sustain dead things? Have you ever rehearsed an old offense? No, okay, that's the other church. Okay, we'll remember that one. Have you ever rehearsed an old offense? Oh, yeah. What does it do? It breathes life into it. Think of when you rehearse dead things, you're giving them CPR. Come on. Let's rehearse that offense again. And then it stirs up all those emotions again. Come on. Where do you want the power of tongue to go to? Life. Come on. That's its original purpose, to empower. Thank you, Father. There's a couple other things, but uh, refuse to allow your past negative experiences, refuse to allow your past negative experiences the power to determine your present level of obedience. Be aware of your season. Think about this. Throw down your nets one more time. Jesus, did you know that we've been out toiling all night long and we didn't catch a thing? Right? My past negative experiences could affect my obedience in the present. Jesus said, throw down your nets. And then, I I don't know the exact, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically Peter said, at your word, Lord. Lord. Are you guys getting this? At your word, Lord. I don't see it. I don't get it. But at your word, if you said it, I'll do it. And then what happened? The nets were full. But God, I, done this, I did this 4,000 times. How many times do I need to do this? One more time, just one more. Throw down your nets one more time. Lord, we, none of you ever do this. Lord, do you know? <laughs> do you realize, Lord? Come on. Stop trying to fix the feeling of discouragement and confront it head on through acts of faith. Be strong and courageous for you must go. Thank you, Father. And I want to end with this. I think this is a really big thing, but how you how do you, how you build how you build a winning attitude? is start with the little victories and go from there. So David, this farm boy, came to bring cheese for his brothers. And he's like, well, what's going to be given to the person that slays this giant? 
they, they think he was around 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. What's going to happen for the person that slays this giant? This is his attitude, right? Who is this thing that defies the armies of the living God? So this is his attitude. So they go and they, they, they try to put on the king's armor and all this stuff. And what does he say? I killed the lion. I've already killed the bear. And my God delivered me from those. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So my suggestion to you is find little victories. So when a giant pops his head up, say, I already dealt with that procrastination. I already dealt with this. I already dealt with this. And who is this? Who are you? Come on. So I encourage you to slay those, those little things. Doesn't scripture say it's the little foxes that spoil the vine? So let's end with this. And in, and, and in this prayer with me. Father, thank you for your loving kindness and your goodness that leads me to repentance. Forgive me for giving an open door to discouragement. By faith, I choose to close the door to it and make a firm decision to not open that door again. Now give me fresh eyes, ears to hear, eyes to see what your plans are for my situation. I know that I can trust whenever I'm afraid. I choose to run to you. My future is bright in the safety of your loving arms. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We just thank you for your goodness, God. Lord, we know that when you speak, it's for our good. God, when you give a commandment, it's for our good. And so, Lord, we trust you. We trust you in all situations. And Lord, I thank you for that revelation that exposes the lie of the enemy. But Lord, I pray for that grace right now for each and every person in this place, the grace to walk this out. The grace and the empowerment of your spirit. For we know that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I trust in you. I rely on you. I run to you when I'm afraid. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. I hope you guys got something out of it.